Hi, beautiful people. I'm your host, Abby. And I know you're probably wondering, who the F am I? Well, although I'm not someone with a stack of degrees and publications yet, I'm someone with dedication, drive, commitment, and quite a bit of free time, thanks to unemployment. A little bit more about me, I'm a Dominican girl from Connecticut who likes to travel a lot and run for fun and memorize maps for fun and watch Christopher Maloney episodes of Law & Order SVU for fun, but that's just because I really enjoy that relationship between him and Mariska. But most importantly, I'm someone who stopped drinking in November 2017, and my life since then has been an incredibly crazy ride. And I'm so thankful that every day since then has been dry. In my journey, I connected with some really cool people. And I can say the most memorable ones are the ones who had a story to share and the ones who had quite a way of telling it. So from that desire to hear more stories from people from different backgrounds, Raconteur Alley was born. I want to create a space for people to share a story about recovery or simply an example of why they needed to do a reconstruction in their life. I don't care if you call it sobriety and recovery or dry and rewired or clean but mean. I'm not here to police the language. There's no hard rules to this show. I'm just trying to meet cool people and do something productive with my time. So expect people from all walks of life on this show. As of now, you can expect one episode a week, but I'm aiming for more. And I know that there's a lot of amazing podcasts out there that provide hour-long episodes with a lot of juicy content, and we love them for that. I'm going to provide something different and give you 20-minute stories. The idea is that we go straight into the story, and then at the end, you learn about the raconteur sharing that story. And if you're enjoying this, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this. Now, with that being said, I'd like to introduce Christina. I really enjoyed chatting with Christina. She was very open with a story that was pretty much her, okay, this might be getting out of hand moment. And the reason I liked her story, it is a reminder that although we want to have to do something for ourselves, sometimes the motivation is just much more powerful when you see it as doing it for someone else. That love for ourselves just isn't strong enough. And I'm saying us because shout out to my former therapist who noticed early on that I'm not great at loving myself. So I totally understood where Christina was coming from and now and how the love for her husband made that change just more much more attractive. So I really appreciated her raw honesty and everything she brought to this episode. So just get ready, sit back and enjoy Christina's story. Okay. Hi, Christina. Hi. I am so excited to be here. I'm honored. Thank you for giving me the space to share my story. So the story I'm going to share is kind of the what led up to me getting sober from an addiction to alcohol. Like kind of a lot. I think a lot of people have like that a night or a moment where you know that this is you know, we got to fix something. So this was almost four years ago, which is wild to me. Time's going so fast. Um, but I was, I think I started the night. It was like a typical Friday night for me. I started out going to a wine bar locally. I live in Virginia and I just, it was my local wine bar and I would go to happy hour, you know, and I would order a bottle of wine and like do the respectable thing and have two glasses and then take the rest home. Um, so I wouldn't be getting too, you know, shitty at the bar or whatever. But anyway, 
Like, that's oh, typical. I was I was in the restaurant business a, lo- a long time. I okay. can tell you that's very common. Yeah. That's very common. We are finishing that like the minute we get home. Like that's we like to pretend that yeah that we're not or yeah oh I'll save this for two weeks or no. That is getting finished. So I took it home and finished it. And my husband and I drank together. And then it was just a normal night. We were watching Netflix. He falls asleep. And I'm like drunk at this point as you are after a bottle of wine. And I'm like, I don't want to go to bed. So I text my neighbors, go over to their house, and we start drinking. This goes to about 2 a.m. And then they go to sleep like normal people. Well, I'm very, very intoxicated at this point. And so I, yeah. So I decide, I'm like, go home. I like put my PJs on. I'm like, okay, I should probably go to bed. But no, my brain is like, no, we're not going to bed. So I start wandering my neighborhood with another glass of wine that I don't even know where I found. And I find some, it's like 4 a.m. at this point. I find someone that's still up at this point. Like, you know, so who's up at 4 a.m., right? Like, Probably not great. And it's like a mile from my house. And so, but in between this little thing I left out is I'm knocking on individual neighbors' doors, like saying, hey, are you up? Like, yeah, people I don't know. And it's like three in the morning. Yes. Yeah, I know. Okay, cool. Yeah, exactly. And I have like a wine bottle and a glass of wine and a robe. So like, it's shocking that, I don't know, someone should have called. Wait, so you're saying people answered the door. I'm just, just. Yeah, Yeah, they did. And they were very nice. Um, probably a little concerned, you know, but no one, like, they let me on my merry way, you know. And so I finally find some house that I see the back garage, like, lights are on, there's TV playing, so someone's up, and it's like a white, like a fence, and then there's their driveway, and it says, like, do not trespass. And, like, to me, I'm like, oh, that doesn't apply to me, you know, I'm like, oh, like, this person clearly wants to hang out. Yeah, I mean, you're very intoxicated, keep that in mind. So I hop the fence, find this guy named Toby. I'm like, we just kick it till 7 a.m. Yeah. Drinking heavily, like partying, you know, just hanging out, listening to music, watching YouTube videos. Like, don't know this guy. Never met him in my life. He never met me, but he was drinking as well. I mean, who was up at 4 a.m., right? You know, in their garage. So like probably, right? So he was in the place that I need. Anyway, so I went to work. I had a brand new job that I was starting, very important job. Um, called my boss and told her like, hey, I can't make, like, I can't drive to work. My car's broken because I was drunk. So like I knew I couldn't drive. So I pop a few Adderalls to help like sober me up and she picks me up. I'm intoxicated and I go to work and I stayed drunk for like two days after that, like or another full 24 hours. And my husband was like, hey, uh, I can't do this anymore because this had become more frequent, the staying out all night. Yeah, like it progressed. And, you know, my, I'm happily married still, thank God. <laughs> um, but he was like, you know, you're the love of my life, but I can't do this. And I was like, okay, like, you know, inactive addiction, I, I was okay hurting myself. But, like, for me, I always say I got sober for someone else first. And if that's what you have to do, that's what you have to do. Like, I, I didn't care about myself. You know, I was just, I don't know, I didn't care. So, but I did care about my husband and I was hurting him very much so. And so I was like, wow, I need help. And so I moved home to Cleveland, Ohio, where I'm originally from, entered intensive outpatient right before the pandemic, which was wild, and got sober. And my sober date's February 3rd, 2020. So. Oh, awesome. Great. Thank you. Awesome. And that's the fact that you brought up that point of like, okay, well, you weren't willing to do it for yourself, but you were definitely more, you really felt the push and you're definitely more interested in getting better when you realize you're affecting someone you love. Yes. It's crazy because I've heard a lot of people almost say like the opposite, you know, yeah. you know, like, honey, if I'm not, if I'm not willing to get clean for me, what makes you think I'm going to get clean for you? And it's, and 
it's just another another reason why to yeah. share everybody's different. You're gonna have different perspectives. Definitely different, exactly. you know, approaches on addiction in a relationship too. Yes, and that's why I bring it up because I have heard that a lot. Like people say, like you should get sober for yourself because if you can't, will you stay sober? And for me, I just didn't work like that. I I just. I have dealt with mental health because I feel like they go hand in hand and, you know, I was just depressed. And so I, I eventually I am now sober for myself and it transitioned and I stay sober for myself. But yeah, no, not at first. (laughs) No, no, I get it. I get it. I, I've been in that situation where, you know, someone said to me, if, if I'm not willing to get clean for myself, what makes you think I'm willing to get clean for you? And that really made that, that gave me the perspective of like, okay, this is, there's no way I'm ever going to have the power to change anybody. So if someone's, you know, not in a healthy place in their life, I'm, I'm probably not going to be the the thing that pushes them to, to get better and to love themselves. Exactly. And, but yeah, I would say I'm, I'm with you. I definitely suffer a little bit from, I don't know how to say it, not loving myself. Yes. Right. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. I, there's so many different ways you can say it. So, and not necessarily that I do a lot of, you know, or self harm or whatever, but I can I can definitely understand where you're coming from where you know that the love for your partner and the 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 fact that you want to obviously maintain a healthy relationship was way more of an influence than just looking at yourself in the mirror yeah exactly exactly cool and since you said it was right before the pandemic I'm just curious since a lot of people I know um I'm just you know my date is November 8th 2017 but just wondering so a couple of years before the pandemic started, but did you have any issues? Because I, I think I saw online some people, you know, there's a, some relapses because now people are at home all day and, you know, the routine that definitely probably helped them stay clean has not been super broken. And now yes. every, their whole schedule is different. So how did you, did anything, was there a big shift for you or at least how you um, approached your sobriety? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I well, it was very interesting because my last day of intensive outpatient, which is people don't know group therapy, um, and it was focused on addiction um, and getting sober. But the last day they called and they were like, well, there's this thing called COVID. I think we need to socially distance. And so that's the first time I'd ever heard that term. I know, right? The foreshadowing, but like we had no idea. They're like, it's kind of like the flu. We just want to be safe. I'm sure it's fine. So I bring that up because it was so interesting. It shut down. I got very lucky I because I finished and was able to complete it. But a lot of people in treatment centers weren't able to finish or they were just starting. So, I mean, it was a really wild time to get sober. But COVID worked in my favor because the bars were shut down. And, like, I was a bar hopper. Like, I, I mean, I would definitely drink by myself. But, like, yeah, I was... Uh, I would love to go to the bar. So all of my bars were shut down. So that first six months of sobriety or whatever it was, yeah, I mean, I there was nowhere for me to go, which was good. And I lived with a family member that's completely sober that held me accountable. So for me, you know, it wasn't, it's never easy, but I think it would have been much, much different had I gotten sober, you know, in the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, so am I, did you say that like, so the, when the pandemic started, you were just, on the tail end or finishing yeah. your treatment. So there were people who were starting treatment and then yeah. everybody had to leave. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I know. Across the country. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I was in Cleveland, Ohio and I mean, there was a whole new, you know, group of people coming in to intensive outpatient. Right. And they, the, gov- the, you know, the state shut it down. I mean, they couldn't, you could do virtual, but I mean, no way that, no not. way that's even close to the same. No, no, it's, And I will say I did have a, so I did use AA at first and I had a sponsor who had like 15 years of sobriety and she relapsed like during the, Oh, like early in the pandemic. 
Yes, yes. So I only had her for like a month and she relapsed because she had been so reliant on, you know, going to meetings and that community, that in-person community. And when she didn't have it and she got isolated. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. I feel like the rates of drinking went up. Um, and then I went the other way, luckily. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, I, I, I got even a little bit. Um, I also went the other way in the sense that, like, before the pandemic started, I was running, but let the five-ish miles a day, and then the pandemic started, and I'm like, I'm running 10 miles a day. I, yeah. I can't lose my mind. I can't believe I lost my jobs. Right. I have all this time. Right, right, so I also kind of went in the opposite direction. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and just out of curiosity, since you brought up AA, you know, what is your experience with AA? I definitely, um, I don't know, I had mixed feelings. I was in a small town in Massachusetts when I first was experienced my first experience with AA because I was in college and I went to college in a small town in Massachusetts and I definitely felt like there was no one else in the room like me, even though at the end of the day, we all had very similar things we were dealing with. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of stuff I had to force myself to kind of get comfortable with. So how did, how did you find AA? Yeah. I mean, so I think I found it like most people do. I knew I had some kind of problem and it was all that was out there. You know what I mean? Like that I knew of, right? Because I was like in that place of I wasn't chemically dependent. So I didn't need to go to like an in-house, you know, like to the hospital. I didn't need to do rehab per chance. So like, or per se. So really that's all I knew. And I started with Googling and am I an alcoholic? Like most people do and, you know, found it that way. And then um, I went to like intensive outpatient and really that's the um, framework or model that most places go with now, right? So it's kind of like by default, like you kind of just do it because you have to. But um, I mean, long story short, I, it just didn't resonate with me. I, I definitely, I would say the first nine months were helpful, like, because those story meetings or, you know, the shares were very, could be very impactful. Um, but I got sober in Cleveland, Ohio, where it was founded in Akron, which is very close. So they're very, very strict, right? So for me, the turning point was like on my one year, I posted that I was sober and a cute picture like, you know, on Facebook and Instagram and my sponsor called me and she's like, God told me you're going to relapse. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, she's like your ego showing because they're obsessed with ego stuff. I know. Yeah. Oh, wow. And That's I a little bit too much for me. Me too. And she was like, you're, you know, you're not going to five meetings a week. And I was like, I don't listen. I don't want to sit around in a crusty ass basement, like talking about being an alcoholic. Like this is fucking depressing. And I was like, so it just did not resonate with me. And I don't believe in the disease model. Like I went on my whole own journey. Like I don't call myself an alcoholic. I think the words I am are very powerful. Um, you know, I say I put person first language. I am sober. I am in recovery. That's just personal. I mean, everyone can do whatever they want. I respect all roads to recovery. Um, but yes, yeah, so it helped in the beginning, but not so helpful as time went on. Oh my gosh. You're, you're reminding me of in the beginning of me when I just had such a weird feeling with saying I am an alcoholic. Right. And I just started saying I have a complicated relationship with alcohol. That's good. And this is a full sentence, but I, yeah. I like totally like would get up in these meetings and I'm just like, I can't even say what everybody else is saying. I'm just like, yeah. I have a complicated relationship with alcohol. That is yeah. it. Yeah. I don't have to label myself this thing that I didn't I didn't even choose this title. I, the yeah. fact is, I have a complicated relationship with alcohol. Yes. Yes. Good for you. Yeah. That is, wow. So I, I, that example about the Facebook post, 
Yeah. I, I haven't heard anybody be that strict. But, I mean, oh. but I think I've, I, and the, definitely the sponsor model, like what you said, I, I, when I started going to meetings in Connecticut, where I'm from, as opposed yeah. to where I was living when I started, when I stopped drinking, which was Seattle, and I went back to my home uh, in Connecticut to kind of get clean. Um, I was going to these meetings and they, you know, they kind of force you or encourage you to, you know, get a sponsor, follow the steps, et cetera. And I don't know if I just like felt I was like too busy or I didn't like connect with anybody in the room to the degree where I'm like reaching out to somebody to uh, find a sponsor. But I really wasn't, I don't know, I guess I just had the networks I needed that if I was really, really struggling or having a super bad day that I had someone to call or I had someone to talk to. They were not also someone in recovery, but I just, I had someone. So I didn't work very hard to find a sponsor. There was a woman in the rooms where I connected with very much so, and she was a mother figure more or less, um, because in the situation, in the town where I was, I didn't have a car at the time. So she, I would walk to the meetings and it was like a 40 minute walk and she would drive me home. Yeah. So she would always drive me home. Now this woman never became my official sponsor, but, and she sponsored many people. But she was probably the closest thing I had to a sponsor. She was older than my my parents, and she was someone who had um, like you know ten plus years dry, and she was, you know, she had a lot of insight. She was a wise woman. But right. yeah, this, the the sponsor and like strictly following these steps, I I just was never attracted to. Same, I'm with you. I was never attracted to. And did you ever make like friends in the rooms or anything like this? No, I didn't. And this might be a great time to like share like what I do now because I, yeah, no, I did not. I felt like you, I felt like for me, I was, I'm out, I'm in the South now and where I started and and in Ohio, it seemed like a bunch of old white men to me, right? Who just didn't have my life experience and that's fine. Like their path is very valid. It just, I was 31, um, young, like I just didn't, no kids, you know, like I just, our lives, I just didn't relate to going to jail or losing my home. And I well, trust right. and believe I'm better than anyone. I was probably headed that way. Uh, but I did not see myself there. So long story short, I came out here three and a half years later and I still felt really lonely. Like I was like, geez, like I have no friends. Where's my community? And so I started an organization called Free Life. And so, yeah, so we, um, so in, we're in Virginia right now, but it, I want to scale. It's we do alcohol-free events, right? And commun- intentional community building. Yeah. For people that Events? Are- Love yes. it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I needed, I, I found, um, like, so I did, I don't know how familiar you are with like Tempest, Holly Whitaker, Laura McCowan, any of them. Have you heard of those? Tempest, yeah, but I'm sorry, you can't say I'm familiar They're with the so others. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, Holly Whitaker, for sure, for sure. The book, I, I'm still finishing her book. Of course, of course, yeah. of course. Yep. yep, so like her way of thinking about sobriety, which is kind of like, it's not necessarily the individual's fault. We live in a culture inundated by it. So like I read her book and that's, that was a lot of where I started being like, whoa, like, you know, AA is not it for me. Um, you know, she's the one who introduced me to not calling myself an alcoholic. Anyway, so I used that framework and I was like, how do we find intentional community for people that are choosing to be substance free? And so that's what I do now. I'm the founder of Free Life and we do alcohol free community. Um, and, and I also come at it from, like you mentioned, you ran, I'm a runner as well. Like I, yep, I used 
a holistic approach to getting sober. So at Free Life, that's what we do. We do um, fun, right? So we have like fun events. There's three pillars. There's fun, there's mind, and then there's also active. So like we'll do walks, yoga, cold plunges. I started doing cold plunges. That's super hard if you've never tried. Like I know everything. <laughs> I don't like them. I know it's hard. It's not for everyone, but um, yeah, it's been really cool. That is amazing. Thank you. Thank you for adding that to the community of us. And I'd be lying if I didn't, if I said that um, her book didn't to some degree influence me starting this podcast. There was so much I resonated with and I'm still in the middle. Go ahead. You could reread it. I mean, it's, the, you know what I mean? It's one of those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm still in the middle of the audiobook. It's because um, I just travel so much. I don't have physical books um, pretty much for the past several years. And so I'm, I'm still, it's a long audiobook. And I resonate with it quite a bit. This, you know, feeling like the meetings, this is like this one standard structure that people have for getting clean. And it for sure is not the paradigm that fits everybody out there who has an, al- an alcohol problem. But this is all that we have access to, and this is all people know. So if you say you have a drinking problem, till this day, people just say, oh, go to a meeting. Yep. And there's 100 years later, there's still very, very few alternatives. Exactly. And that's kind of the... so the idea behind free life was just like, because I just didn't feel like I had options. So the the name says it all. It's like basically you're free to choose your your path to recovery. Like you, you just have to find what works for you. And if AA doesn't work for you, you're not broken. Like that's a huge part of my messaging. Like you're not fucked up. Like it's not you. Like it doesn't work for a lot of us. And so AA leaves us feeling like at least it did for me like a failure, right? Like, well, something must be wrong with me. And I'm like, no. No, <laughs> you can use it. And I'm grateful that like I have lots of people come to my events that go to AA and I'm like, go do that. That's fantastic. But there's a lot of us out there who um, it just didn't work for. So. All right, cool. Well, so where can people find you if they want to know, if they want to learn yeah. more about free life or if they're visiting Virginia? Yeah, for sure. So um, Instagram is for my personal. It's just see Kimbrough one and then free life LLC on any platform. So. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much. And now I know what I'm going to do next time I'm in Virginia. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for this, Christina. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. No problem. So I don't know when I'm going to be able to make it out to Virginia next, but it is definitely on my list. I hope you enjoyed Christina's story. And if you have a story you're dying to share, DM the show on Instagram, TikTok, both are Raconteur Alley, or email me at raconteuralley at gmail.com. I don't care which platform you use, just don't be shy. I'll see you on the flip-flop side with my next Raconteur. Ciao.